Hello, welcome everyone. I'm Bruce. I'm Greg. And I'm Casey. Together, we will dive into the mysterious world of the hit TV show, Supernatural. Join us as we follow Sam and Dean on some crazy adventures as we break down episode by episode and have some fun along the way. Today's episode, Season 1, Episode 1, The Pilot, directed by David Nutter and written by Eric Kripke. We are... (laughs) Natural, Natural friends. friends. We've got our pal Greg. We've got our guy Bruce. They've got their other friend who's pretty cool. We're gonna spend some time with Sam and Dean. We're gonna kill some monsters and break down a scene. Supernatural friends. Supernatural friends. Remember, spoilers ahead. This week on Supernatural, we meet Sam and Dean. These two brothers have spent their lives hunting monsters and killing things with their dad ever since their mother was killed by a supernatural being. Sam has been trying to leave this life behind in order to go to college and become a lawyer. When their dad goes missing, Dean enlists Sam's help to track him down. They follow his last hunt, a woman in white in Jericho, California. The two brothers defeat the woman in white only to find out their dad had moved on to another hunt. Sam returns home just in time to witness his girlfriend murdered in the same way his mother was. So, Greg, uh, fair warning. Um, I watched this at midnight last night. All right. And uh, I did nod off at a certain point. So um, my interpretation of this might be a little goofy, but uh, I will do my best. (laughs) I have notes. I appreciate your dedication. Midnight. On a yep. work night. For the toddler, every night is a work night. Their father, I'm definitely not going to be... like I'm going to be comparing him to Negan the whole time from Walking Dead. Like, <laughs> I, I can't unhear it. He uses this, literally the same exact voice when he's speaking. <laughs> so it's going to be hard to be like, oh, that's their dad, a really nice guy, and not... Um, this yeah (laughs) i do know a little bit so i tried to watch the first season um like we talked about in the trailer um and i made it i definitely made it almost to the end of it or to the end of it i can't remember so i do know like a little bit of generally what happens again i know we at least like see the dad again um so that's my like knowledge of it so i know he's not like gone forever after the you know this first episode do you remember any plot lines of what happens with him at all or you just remember that he shows up again i just know they find him eventually (laughs) okay yeah so that's what i mean like i know i'm you know i'm gonna be comparing him the whole time because i assume he comes back more than just the one time that i remember i remember him from Grey's anatomy That's my input. I already dropped out of Walking Dead by that point. The actor who plays Dean, his name is Jensen Ackles. Um, he was originally uh, trying for the role of Sam, which is bizarre thinking back 15 years of whether he could be Sam. It's just a weird thought. Sam is played by Casey. Jared Padalecki. There you go. That's cool. Also that's in one of my other favorite shows. Gilmore Girls. It was in five seasons of Gilmore Girls leading up to Supernatural, so I was pretty familiar with Jared Padalecki by the time I started watching Supernatural. I really just enjoyed the opening 
um, seen a lot. Um, I didn't realize going into this how much of like horror um, element was in this. Like, I legitimately was nervous while some of the stuff was going on. They start off as this like beautiful, perfect family, and then immediately goes dark within like thirty seconds. I was very taken back because I did not know that this was that kind of show. Yeah, um, it's definitely a lot more violent um, than our test episodes of Reaper. <laughs> um, but specifically seeing, you know, Mary stuck to the ceiling, abdomen cut open, catching on fire. Um, we've seen it twice now, and maybe that won't be the last time. It's, it's pretty rough. A little foreshadowing. Did you notice? I had to find this on the internet. I didn't notice. Right at the very opening shot, um, they're outside. The, or the shot is outside the house with a tree. The tree's shadow moves to like towards Sam's room. No, it's not oh, even no. like oh, it could be the wind or a weird angle. Like it definitely purposefully moves, and I've never noticed it. It's the third time oh. I've seen this pilot. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the fourth time, and I never noticed. Also, during this scene, we see our first bit of electromagnetic interference um, with the flickering lights. Get used to seeing that throughout the whole show. That's always a giveaway of if there's a ghost or another type of presence in the room. Good to know. So with the mother dying, uh, so it's that's a really creepy, like, it, just the visual in general. Like, I've never seen it in any other show or movie or anything like that or like someone pinned to a ceiling and catching fire such a new concept you know and uh, i haven't seen it in, in any other medium and it's really creepy but i think it's extra creepy because i rewatched the scene for some reason and <laughs> mary the mother was still breathing and like not only breathing, but like scared, panting, breathing. And that was way freakier than if she was just like basically dead and caught on fire. It was, it was really good. It's awful. Yeah, I believe Jess was. At I didn't the end too. I think she was still had like that, oh, that panicky awful. breath. And that's like, way worse. She's definitely still alive oh, when she catches on fire. And the sound effects of the fire where there's almost like that demonic screaming inside yeah. of it. So and this is a, a thing that's changed since I um, has become a father is these type of scenes always like get me even more because it's like you, you like uh, as a father, you're like, OK, now that kid, you know, either didn't see his mother or but he know his mother is now gone. So like those type of scenes really impact uh, my watching anymore. Family, man, <laughs> you, you can imagine your family. It's, it's awful. And... Yeah, I, I cry at stupid stuff now. It's, it's dumb. <laughs> Did you cry at this? I did not. I had a panic attack instead. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the whole feel of the show definitely has a very original feel to it. Like, yes, it follows some formats that other shows have, but at the same time, like, it it feels very genuine. Um, Like, it's, you know, it's not just copying the six other shows that are on, you know, the network, you know? Definitely. So, Casey? Yeah. Were you thrown by the title card? No, I remembered it was weird. It was so weird. 
So after watching season after season, spoiler alert, Bruce, they always change, but they're similar. And that first, is it just the pilot or the entire season is going to be that? I think it's the whole first season. It really threw me off. That's so bizarre. Yeah, it's different. It's awesome, though. I liked it. So Sam, he's in Stanford, already impressive. He wants to get into law school, took his LSAT, got a 174 on his LSAT. You guys know anything about the LSATs at all? I did the I same don't. thing you did. I looked it up, <laughs> but please tell. Yeah, um, based off of the little bit I knew, I was pretty sure that that was a fairly high score. Um, so this is the information that I got. Uh, the LSAT is scored on a scale of 120 to 180. The average score is about 150, but if you're looking to get into one of the top 25 law schools, your score should be well over 160. Sam is Jeez. a law genius. <laughs> he crushed it. LSAT, by the way, is law school admission test. I had no yes, idea. Yes, thank you, Greg. Yeah, I would have never gotten that. <laughs> that's that's crazy. And, uh, they did a good job, though, of, you know, the first time I saw that, I wasn't willing to Google that stuff. So they did a good job of saying, like, oh, he got a 174. Not, like, not just saying the score, but, like, that's real good, right? Yeah, that's real good. Yeah, that's real good. <laughs> Bruce, whenever Dean first showed up in Sam's apartment, did you expect that to be him, or did you think something else was going on? So my initial reaction was that, okay, so we just had a terrifying, like, um, scene, and this one was very similar to the first, the opening scene. Um, and so just I was like, okay, so we just had something super close to what's happening right now so i almost expected it not to be uh you know scary or you know someone else in the room um i'll tell you guys i love that scene um i think it does a great it's a great example of showing instead of telling um so right now you know pretty much nothing about who these boys are and what their life's been like but um you see them fighting each other with proficiency and we're learning a lot about the brothers and their childhood was like by observing their actions instead of through exposition and just them talking about their childhood right away we see that they know what they're doing so i i have to to take this time to to bash the show then because you're right that's a great example of showing instead of telling because it's the one and only example they have (laughs) of showing instead of telling (laughs) in that same scene sam does the exposition work and it's awful and he explains the past 22 years to his brother who had the past 22 (laughs) years with him and i wanted to die and but to give them credit though the first time i saw this i never even noticed and i wasn't as analytical anyway but i also um just from it being one watch through it's not as bad but this is my third watch through and i was just like oh my God, please shut up. <laughs> Bruce, how'd you feel about it? I did notice while he was talking, um, and I was like, okay. And I think, yes, it's annoying that they're doing it, but at the same time, like, that was a very quick way to, like, dive into, like, what what is it, you know, 15, 20 years of, you know, time uh, in within a minute of talking to each other. Yeah, and I don't remember there being a lot for the rest of the episode after that. Unless I didn't notice it more. Unless no, I, think just, I think they were just two quick scenes of exposition. Yeah, so it was just like your little info dump to kind of 
set up the world where we are now and then i think they do a nice job of just kind of letting them react off of each other and seeing who they are dean's fantastic um <laughs> i i am gonna love his one-liners throughout this series <laughs> He's wonderful yeah, i hope he keeps them up oh he does don't worry um, i love the smurfs <laughs> <laughs> i completely forgot how small they are in this first season it it wasn't as bad for me because I haven't seen any of the new seasons like in the past couple of years. But now that you mentioned it, I remember how bulked up they got. They're so they, huge. Bruce, they get huge. <laughs> <They're jacked. laughs> so look, look forward to that. But All right. Get some games. <laughs> so I thought it was funny in that scene where Jess is awake and Sam and Dean are talking and Sam says, Whatever you want to say, you can say in front of her. It doesn't make sense because you've lived this life. You know your brother. You know your lives. As soon as he mentions hunting, then it's suddenly, oh, Jess, will you excuse us? It's just like, what did you think it was going to be? <laughs> like, You thought he was going to wish you luck on your, your law school inter- um, he thought interview? Their dad was on a bender. That's true. He sounds like a real... Real alcoholic, I guess. Yes, we'll see. Yes. Yeah. Um, so as Sam and Dean are leaving, um, Sam references two things. First, the poltergeist in Amherst. Um, so there's this thing called the Great Amherst Mystery. It's a notorious case of reported poltergeist activity in Amherst, Nova Scotia, between 1878 and 1879. And then um he also mentions the Devil's Gates in Clifton. So there is a legendary subterranean passageway in Clifton, New Jersey, that many people believe ultimately leads to the lair of the devil. The area is a maze of underground tunnels and storm sewers. Deep inside, a network of dead trees can be found, each planted exactly three feet apart. According to numerous accounts, dead cats and birds hang from the tree trunks, and an evil spirit guards the passage. These are also referred to as Clifton's Gates of Hell. Ah, spooky. Yeah, the writers... Eric Kripke are doing a nice job of pulling in actual supernatural elements that into the show and making it real. It definitely gives a more of a a little bit more meat than just like making up a random story that's, you know, just like one we've seen a thousand times. Um, it's kind of nice to hear that kind of stuff because that creeped me out just listening to it. <laughs> Especially for like a throwaway line like that. of Like, oh, he was doing these other things and um, it's also nice that it wasn't just like joke examples of like famous movies or something. It was real lore, but not uh, not like a uh, an elbow like haha, look at this. So mm-hmm. that, that is nice. It it really makes it feel real. Uh, so the boys head out to Jericho, California. Um, so I tried looking this place up. Um, not real, but it is also real. Um, so it was a former settlement in California that is now a ghost town. Spooky. Um, and then Dean plays the message for Sam that he got from their dad. And he mentions that he slowed the message down and ran it through a gold wave. I had no idea what a gold wave was. So I looked it up and apparently it's just a real audio editor. Like you guys can go download gold wave and play around with it if you want to, (laughs) but that's it. It was just an audio editor. Is there an app? Is that useful for our podcast? Are we going to do that? Um, no, I think we already have what we're using. We'll stick with what we got. We'll stick, but if we need to change it up, it's out there. 
initially because I wasn't sure where this episode was going. I did write down that. So in that um, encrypted message that they got, whether say never go home or something like that. I can never um, go home. Yeah, because um, I was like, oh, that's the mom. So initially, I was like completely thrown off what was going on. Oh yeah. Um, but I was wrong. <laughs> I could not... see how that could happen though. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I wasn't sure how self-contained the story was going to be, and he he casually calls her a was it a woman in white or something? Yeah, sure yeah, does. she's a woman in white. So is there lore to that? Oh, you bet. So this week's episode featured a woman in white which is based on the Latin American legend of La Girona. The story goes that there was a beautiful woman named Maria who lived in a rural village in Mexico. A very wealthy nobleman was riding through the village and was captivated by Maria's beauty. He knew at once that he had to have Maria's heart. They quickly fell in love, got married, and Maria gave birth to two sons. Maria's husband traveled often and spent less time with his family. Whenever he was home, he would only give attention to the children, and Maria knew it was because her husband was falling out of love with her due to her growing older. One day, her husband brought home a younger woman to say farewell to his sons and left, completely ignoring Maria. In a blind rage, Maria took their two sons down to the river and drowned them. The river carried their bodies away. Now she spends eternity knowing the atrocities that she committed, forever calling out and weeping for her children, earning her the name La Girona, which means the weeping woman. It is said that she kidnaps wandering children at night, mistaking them for her own. fascinating whoa <laughs> he just said it so naturally um when sam called it heard that but i thought maybe it was like a common <laughs> is this something i should know so yeah, <laughs> yeah la Girona is a very well-known story in latin american culture um and okay. she is also referred to as a, the woman in white um so it's a kind of natural thing for them to be calling her a woman on the show um, but they did twist around the legend a little bit so she still drowned her own children um, but in this one she is afraid to approach them um, whenever she finds out that they turn into ghosts they capture her and dr- looks like drags her to hell with them so sure, a little okay. twist on the legend but <laughs> it still has a lot of the same elements from the lore so that guy who picked her up in the uh, car that was, she was already like blipping across the road or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> How would he? Well, I don't know. All I'm saying is I kept driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think after this episode, anytime I see, well, it should be anyone, don't pick up hitchhikers. But if you see a particularly attractive female on the side of the road by herself, just leave her. Just let her go. <laughs> <laughs> And especially, like you said, if she's glitching out, <clears throat> that's a that's a no brainer. Um, when she, when they when she has him take her to her house or whatever, and she like disappears, I, like automatically this guy's like, oh, I should go look for her. Doesn't question the fact that the door never opened in his car. <laughs> I don't know. I like to think that I'd be smarter than this. I I guess not. I don't know. Who knows? When you're blinded by lust <laughs> so in that same scene i strongly dislike jump scares but the bat flying out of the door the jump scare first off it genuinely got me but it also like ties back to what you were saying bruce of how it's like it's very horror based and it's amazing that in a single one hour episode of 
well, actually 40 minutes, I guess, of television that can give you that same feeling that a full horror movie can give you. Um, they did a good job and scared the heck out of me, but I still hate jump scares. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> it still got me. <laughs> so Sam and Dean are driving around at some point in the car. I love the car, number one. Um, doesn't seem very... Uh, Seems like it would take a lot of gas to drive around um, for a guy who doesn't really have a job. <laughs> I think we should get the Prius out instead, but, you know. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I drive a Prius, and I'm very proud of my Prius. <laughs> right. You can probably get a lot farther on a guy on gas. <laughs> Especially Winning. for... Well, this one was a, a quick road trip. Both Both cities were in California, but... Spoiler alert, Bruce, they go all over the place <laughs> in, in Impala. Uh, let me see if I can find... According to this, it's a 1967 Chevrolet Impala. What's the miles per gallon on that? Ooh, good question. Good question. <laughs> oh, Casey's got some info. Whoa! I know where Casey you got that. Casey is showing us a uh, <laughs> die-cast Supernatural die-cast 1967 Chevrolet Impala. Um, so the classic black 1967 Chevy Impala is essentially the third home on wheels to both brothers when needed. Its trunk is stocked full of every weapon and item needed to fight against any supernatural entity on the planet. <laughs> it was purchased by John Winchester and handed down to his eldest son, Dean, who treasures the car. Despite near destruction, countless scrapes and bruises, and several months in storage, the Impala, like, like Dean and Sam themselves, never stays down for long. History. The Impala was built in Janesville, Wisconsin on April 24th, 1967. <laughs> Her first owner was Sal Moriarty, who bought it for $3,999. John Winchester bought her in 1973. The price on the windshield was $2,204. Now, does that eventually get explained, or is that all just like... I think it's eventually... Fan. <laughs> I, think I, I have I no idea. <laughs> um, and I know... You're just dying for this answer. It's 14.4 miles per gallon. <laughs> yeah. Definitely got to get that Prius out. <laughs> um, so they go to the town and they're talking to the um, uh, the police officer. And I think later on they come back to the bridge. But at one of those points they have like a, another conversation where they're like talking about their parents or something like that. And he brings up mom. Um, and I think, you know, they get a little scuffle over that or something. Um, so I kind of, my interpretation was that Sam probably is not nearly as like, even though that was his mom, like how old was he during her death? So I could see the connection not being as strong with Sam and probably the same reason that he's like, I kind of want to move on with my life rather than Dean, who was what five, I think we, we said maybe, um, and you know, had grown up with her, definitely has memories of her. Yeah, and Sam specifically calls out in the episode that if it wasn't for pictures, he wouldn't remember what their mom looks like. So he definitely he definitely okay. doesn't feel that attachment to her. And it's interesting that Sam is trying to completely avoid the life, and Dean feels it's their responsibility, that they know what's out there, so they have to be the ones to try to stop it. So definitely remembering what happened to their mother played an impact on him compared to Sam not remembering at all. Mm -hmm. They refer to themselves as ghost hunters possibly or did just i just make that up just hunters just yeah, hunters. hunters so what are do you okay so you might know this question but 
my question is are there more of them out there we know interesting question (laughs) okay interesting question because i was like because the way they talk about it 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 implies that there are more of them and that this is a thing that they do and that like they've you know but other people are doing it as well like california is not the only place that has ghosts or whatever um so that was a little bit of a i picked up on that and i honestly have no idea you know with my vague memories i love their flip phones oh yeah (laughs) the phones are funny that's such a what year is this 2005 yeah so it's just a very iconic like them pulling out their flip phones to talk to people i just loved it i just love flip phones i don't even miss them not again not to spoil things but i'm i don't think they moved on technology wise at least for a long time that even after smartphones became huge i feel like the show continued with (laughs) dumb phones so we'll dumb phone watch i guess yeah Dean doesn't carry an iPhone. If, if I remember right, I think there's like a burner phone aspect to it. Ah, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, as part of their credit card scams that they run. Because <laughs> uh, you know, hunting, what a hunting doesn't pay. So they broke in, not broke into, but they got the hotel room that their dad had. There was a picture of two men being burned at the stake, and. Um, it had a caption, and it had a partial caption, and from that partial caption, I found the full caption in the book that I was in. So the full caption from picture 112 is, two Dominican monks burned at the stake by order of the Inquisition for allegedly signing pacts with the devil. Uh, illustration from 1549 in Geneva. And this is from the book, Devils, Demons, and Witchcraft. 244 illustrations for artists and craftspeople. Copyright 1971. Let me pull up their their quick intro here. Throughout history, artists have grappled with the problem of depicting clearly and forcefully the principles of evil and suffering in human existence. Religion, folk beliefs, and individual imagination independently or in fertile combinations have provided powerful visual realizations of these themes. Collected in this volume are a wealth of symbols and scenes portraying the appearance, history, and activities of the devil, the embodiment of temptation and vice in the Christian world, his host of demon helpers, the human witches who have placed themselves in his service, the awesome phenomenon of death, the tortures of hell, and the terrors of the last judgment. That's it. There's more to the introduction, but... Um, but aside from the introduction, it's just pictures of weird stuff. So it's fun <laughs> to look at. So there's a picture of someone with the name Scott Nifong above it. Did you see that? Um, Missed it. So Scott Nifong was the prop master for the Supernatural pilot. Ah, oh, man. Yeah, that was just a, That's a, a, good a one. fun little Easter egg there for everyone. Um, then the other name with the picture was William Durrell. Um, which I couldn't find anything related. Some of the newspaper clippings, you know, especially in this day and age with Netflix, HD, whatnot. You could pause, you could see the newspaper clippings. It's not good for the prop department when they don't use real stuff or like typed up stuff. So the newspaper clippings used on the wall in today's episodes were from a an article titled U.S. Payments Aimed at Iraqis' Losses, which is an article about uh, payments for suffering for 
families in Iraq of people who died in the war. And it's just has absolutely nothing to do with anything supernatural. And it's hung up on the wall there with like random words underlined and highlighted and stuff. It has nothing to do with anything. Thought that was fun. Definitely a sign of the times though. You know, that's kind of cool that it. You <laughs> yeah, know. Like they never would have bothered. While they're fighting the woman in white, um, Sam is in the car with her. Apparently she can't eat him or whatever she does because he's not unfaithful, but she can like stab him in the chest. Um, I just wanted to comment like, for being a TV show that was on a pilot, um, and without going very much over the top, the like effects in the show are very good. Like the while she's over top of him, she does this weird like between hot goddess to like demon lady, and it's just I was very impressed with that transition. It was just like legitimately nervous about the scene because I'm just like this is just good, just you know. Good, good uh, scene for sure. Yeah, besides the occasional CGI issues, like towards the end of the episode was a little rough. With the children? Yeah. <laughs> um, besides like <laughs> stuff like that throughout the series, I think overall they do a pretty solid job of blending practical with CGI and making it look pretty good. So Bruce mentioned earlier that the episode was directed by David Nutter. Do you guys know that name at all? It sounds familiar, and I'm curious what you're going to say next. David Nutter has directed 20 pilots for television. Out of those 20 Mm. pilots he's directed, only one has not made it to series, which is a pretty big deal. Um, So, yeah, (laughs) David Nutter's pretty known for making really good pilots, um, and I think that this was one of them. Bruce, let me read you the list of the pilots that he's got in the series. Space, Above and Beyond. Oh, and these are in chronological order, so if you don't know the first ones, it's okay. They're pretty old. Um, <laughs> Space, Above and Beyond, Millennium, Sleepwalkers, Roswell, Dark Angel, Smallville, Without a Trace, Dr. Vegas, Tarzan, Jack and Bobby, Supernatural, Traveler, Terminator, The Sarah Connor, Sarah Connor Chronicles, The Mentalist, Eastwick, Chase, the Doctor is the one that didn't make it a series. Arrow, The Flash, and Deception. There so it is. <laughs> I've probably watched, I don't know, almost half that list. So David Nutter has played a big part in the television I have watched. That's pretty crazy. And he's also, he's won a couple of awards. David Nutter has won two Emmys for directing. Um, in 2002, he won an Emmy for directing Band of Brothers. And in 2015, he won an Emmy for directing a Game of Thrones episode. He actually did quite a few episodes of Game of Thrones, but he won the Emmy for directing Mother's Mercy, which was the season five finale. It was a fantastic episode. So he's a he's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think it shows a lot throughout this episode. So at the end, the lady um, is saved by her kids. Or is she drugged to hell? It's a good question. Because I could not figure that I out. I think she was dragged away. Dragged to hell. Yeah. Does that imply the kids are in hell too? Sure. Oh, Ooh. good point, Bruce. There we go, Bruce. All right, so we need to make up a backstory for these little shit. <laughs> well, <laughs> clearly they deserve to be drowned, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
No, that is a good point, though. Like what they dragged her. But it was a sweet ending. I I enjoyed it for sure. I really love the whole setup of the end of the episode. And Bruce, you can talk more about whether or not you were surprised by it. But I slightly remember the first time I saw the end of this episode. Whenever Sam gets home, it seems like everything's going to be cool. We're going to watch the end of this episode. And then he lays down in bed. And just like when he was little, blood drips on him. Looks up. There she is. Burning alive, just like his mother. Bruce, how did that impact you? I love the tie. I just like the... I, I wasn't ready for it. Well, okay. I take that back. Um, so I did remember that he goes out and he does help Dean. But I really... And when he laid down, I was like, okay, something's going to happen. But I enjoyed the, like, coming back to it, for sure. That was a really cool way to, like, tie everything up and, like, give him motivation to keep going. Because at a certain point, you're just like, okay, well, I guess he's just going to pick him up every time he comes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just pick them up in the car and then they'll go do their thing. They'll drop them off at the end. It'll be a good time. I still remember like. Because when it came to talking about rewatching Supernatural, that was the only image in my head uh, regarding the first season, not even just the first episode, just the first season. Like you're going to watch the first season of Supernatural. That's the only image is just on the ceiling, because I still remember the first time watching. It was like, oh, my God, like. Like, because it's been 22 years and this woman in white is unrelated and then he comes over and you're just like, oh, what's what's going to happen? Oh, my God. Like, you thought the episode was winding down and it Mm -hmm. definitely wasn't. Well, I mean, still kind of was, but wow. And I love how quickly Sam gets on board at the end. It's just right away to the Impala. Immediate. We got that was not a long grieving process. We got work to do. (laughs) Sam's pissed. He wants revenge. Oh, and that ties back into earlier though, and and this is, this is not, uh, in character for my my simpleton vibes. But you guys were talking about how, you know, essentially Sam's motivations versus Dean's. The reason Dean is so into it is because he's five years old when his mother died, so he he feels the need to do this. Well, now that Sam has lost someone, now he's into it immediately, like no thinking. That's really I. Just now put that together. Nice job, Greg. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sam gets it now. He he understands. So a recurring element throughout the series is the brothers using different aliases. Um, Every, I think they have different aliases every single episode. Um, So our aliases featured in this episode are Bert and Hector Aframian, which uh, John was Bert. Dan was, Dean was Hector. And um, I couldn't find anything about where those come from. Um, But then um, Dean also used the alias Ted Nugent, um, which is the first out of many times that Dean will refer to himself using the name of a rock star. It's funny. This will be fun because when when I watched through, I didn't recognize most of the names they said, especially there was like some random drummer of some hair band. Like, I don't know. Yeah. The cuts get pretty deep. Yeah. Okay, so for this episode, the first episode, I'm going to have to give it a nine women in whites out of ten. It is really close to a ten out of ten, especially considering that it's a pilot episode of television. Like, it's 
I don't want to say the best because something will come up that I'm not remembering, but it's one of the best episode, pilot episodes of television I've ever seen. David Nutter. That he's, he's real good. But it's not even just the directing. I, I give a lot of credit to the writing of it. It feels like a mini movie. And in a lot of ways, in, in a similar fashion that all pilots should be, is it introduces the story in the Eric Kripke, is that how you pronounce it? Takes it to the next step by making it not just, oh, this is the introduction to the story, but also it's as if uh, Sam has the hero's quest and this is the inciting incident. Like the first episode, inciting incident. Now he's back into hunting. And that's just a, a great job of being able to introduce something without it feeling just like you're introducing something. Um, except for those two quick incidences of terrible exposition. So bump it down to a nine, but wonderful overall. Um, I'm going to give it seven and a half out of 10 Winchesters. So as you were talking, I thought about bumping it up a little bit um, because you're right. It It's a, as far as pods go, this like blew it out of the water. Um, the only reason I didn't give it higher and I wanted to keep it at a, you know, even, you know, rating is I just don't know where this show's going and it's hard to compare. I don't want to compare uh, this episode, you know, to, you know, nothing. Um, so I'm going to give it a seven and a half Winchesters this time. Um, it, it had some seriously terrifying moments, just really good cinema. Just, you know, like I said, my heart's beating. I'm literally like sweating sometimes because I'm like, what's going to happen? Like I said, the CGI was fantastic. It was subtle enough, um, except for the random, you know, kids going down into hell. But just it was subtle enough that it, you know, it did what it needed to do um, without going over the top. It was enough story to keep going, but it also tied together its own story. It wrapped up its stuff, but was a lot was able to propel into the series, which I really enjoyed. So it didn't feel like, and the story's over. We'll see what happens next time. Like, we obviously know where this is going um, to a certain extent. Seven out of five Winchesters. Seven out of five. 7.5 Winch- out of 10 Winchesters. Can I get one clean version of that? Seven out of... <laughs> 7.5 out of 10 Winchesters. All right. Um, I mean, you guys pretty much said it all. Um... 10 out of 10. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> so if there's anything better than the pilot, you're just going to have to go. You're going to have to turn it up to an 11. Listen, it's all downhill listen, from okay. <laughs> so there are episodes that I consider better than the pilot, but I, I mean, I texted you guys right after I watched it. Nostalgia got me too much watching this. Um, I'm excited. It got me excited for everything else that's coming with it. Really enjoyed the way it set everything up, but I also have the benefit of knowing what's coming with it and knowing that I think it does a really nice job of setting up multiple storylines of what happened to their father, what happened to Jess and their mother, and also not giving us too much, holding on to... um, They set up a good mystery without giving away too much in the first episode, and we get to follow that along in a way that's done very well. 10 out of 10. Uh, until you pointed out, I forgot. I, I didn't even realize it. We have more than one mystery, like you said. There's what happened to the, his mom and Jess, but also what's what's up with their dad. That's awesome. 
It's just B plots for you, Greg. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, Bruce, what do you expect to happen next? So, like I said, I did at one point attempt to watch this show. And so, like, I have a general idea of what is going to happen. But, like you said earlier, Dean goes, or Sam goes, you know, we've got work to do. or But that kind of gives us at least a clue that this is going to keep going. You know, we're, this isn't, because I, I think they actually talked about going to Colorado. So they're definitely going to keep going, um, searching for their dad, trying to figure out what happened to um, Sam's girlfriend. Um, and look for whatever is killing their women. <laughs> um. Apparently that's what I wrote, by the way, <laughs> in my sleeping. <laughs> so you said you know that we see dad again. Um, how long do you think until we solve this dad mystery? If I remember, it feels like it's closer to the finale of the season, season finale. Okay. Um, like I said, I, I don't remember that much. Um, but I think that was like a, we led up to that. Okay. And we set up this, the mystery oh. of this man who was in Sam's room. Um how long do you think until we iron that all out? You know what? I didn't even think about that. I thought that was less like somebody messing with him. I didn't think it was a real person. Um, so... <laughs> hmm. I, we'll go mid-season. Okay. Okay. Or flip it. We see dad <laughs> mid-season. We see random man at the finale. All right. That would make more sense for some reason. Next week, we're watching season one, episode two, Wendigo, premiered September 20th, 2005. Sam and Dean follow the coordinates in their father's journal and land in Colorado, where they investigate the disappearance of several campers. For any questions, comments, or smart remarks, send them to naturalfriendpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at naturalfriendpodcast. Thank you to our fans, and thank you for joining us. We are Natural Natural Friends.